one of the preachers. All right. Hey, welcome. My name is Dan. I am the youth pastor here. It is great to be here this morning. A couple things. Um, first off, if you're tuning in online later this week, shout out to you guys. Uh, um, actually, if you're tuning in online, can I hear a whoop whoop? Yeah, see, it was a joke. The first service didn't work, didn't work. It... Anyway, if, you, if for some reason you miss a week or if you're out of town, uh, subscribe to our podcast for Android or iPhone um, or just tune in online on our website as well. There's those options. Also, I forgot this first service until about two-thirds of the way through, all right? So your note sheets are totally wrong. Yeah, I didn't get that until like two-thirds of the way through. I had to like totally stop. And so anyway, I, had, I rearranged a couple of things. I'm still going to be making some of those same points, but it would probably be better for you to just turn it around. And I've got, there'll be a bunch of stuff on the screen. You can still, <laughs> I'm glad my suffering is funny for you, Andy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, there'll be a bunch of stuff on the, on the screen. You can follow along and take your notes that way. But just so you know, the, the points, the, the printed points on there are going to be a little off. And so uh, with that being said, welcome. We are in this Advent series called Herald. Uh, this is a series that JP's come up with, and it's a sign of something about to happen. Uh, and so we are heralding the good news, heralding the fact that uh, Jesus is about to be born in a manger. And But with that, we've been going through this passage in Isaiah 9 with a couple names of God. And we're just going to read that through together um, for a couple moments. So read it with me. And Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And these four names, these, have, these are the names we've been focusing on for the last two weeks, and then today, and then of course next Sunday as well. And so the first one was Wonderful Counselor, and JP ran us through this. And the main point there was there are, there are two ways that Jesus serves as our counselor. And his two ways were ad, ad, advisor and advocate. But there is only one way he knows how to do it, and that is Wonderful. And as our wonderful counselor, he is our ultimate advisor and advocate. And then last week was mighty God. And his point there was many people have questions about Jesus, but the answers are often polarizing. He's either mighty bad or mighty God. And this idea that if we are to believe the Bible, if we are to believe the God of the Bible, that in the way that he reveals himself, he is mighty God. But if, if you just don't believe that, it's going to be mighty bad. And it's polarizing, these opposites. And so mighty God, wonderful counselor, mighty God, which brings us today to everlasting father. Everlasting father. But before we dive in, let's just pray, invite the spirit into this place this morning. God, we just thank you for being a wonderful counselor a mighty God, and as we're going to dive into today, a everlasting Father. God, I pray that no matter where we are this week, no matter what's happened, no matter what's going on, no matter what we may be going through, that we would just take this time to focus on you, invite you in, Holy Spirit, to convict us, to work in our lives. Help us to focus on you um, and be moved by the wonderful counselor you are, by the mighty God that you are, and the everlasting Father that you will reveal to us this morning. I pray that it will be your words this morning and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
All right, so before we get going, I want to ask you three questions, and I want, to, I want you to raise your hand for these if they apply, but I want you to answer I want you to answer in a real way, not the right way. And you'll get that in a moment. So raise your hands if this applies to you or you've thought this. I just feel like I don't have enough time. All right, this is most of us. If I didn't get you on that one, I'm going to get you on one of these two. Number two, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Yep, it's all right. If only I had one more hour in my day. Who has thought this? If you haven't thought that, I don't know what life you are living, but we all need another hour in our day. And number three, there is just not enough hours in a day. And hopefully at this point, one of those probably applied to us. You can put them down now. These questions, though, th- these, these ideas about time isn't just us in this room, obviously. It's our culture. It's our society. It's our world. And for example, I did some research, Inc.com. Uh, had a headline, so a couple headlines from some major publications. Inc.com says, seven scientific reasons you always feel like you don't have enough time. Seven scientific reasons. Entrepreneur.com says, running out of time every day? Here's what you're doing wrong. And number three, Forbes.com says, not enough hours in your day? Start making better choices. Now, before you get into an idea that, you know, you're going to leave here feeling like you have an extra hour in your day, they were actually very interesting. You can um, check them out if you would like. That's not the goal this morning. But as I, as I read through these, I, I'm sure there's a lot of you that got very interested very quickly because which one of us couldn't use an additional hour or just any more time this time of the year? More time to plan our parties, to attend our parties, to wrap our gifts, to bake, to shop, to clean our homes, to travel to friends and family, to bake cookies, to send our gifts, to, de- to, to, to see friends. I could just keep going. There's never enough time, especially in December. All this on top of our already busy lives of work, of parenting, of school schedules, of social events, and let's be honest, just life. There never seems to be enough time. And I'm reminded of this every morning, 6 a.m., my alarm goes off, bam, I snooze and I hop back into bed, let's be honest. (laughs) There's no reason, it's still dark out, this is just ridiculous. So I sleep for another nine minutes and of course it goes off again and I'm feeling extra tired this morning and so I'm like, you know what, If nine more minutes is really going to affect the way that I wake up this morning and so I snooze again. And that doesn't help at all. And so now I get up and I don't feel any more rested based, you know, from snoozing. And so I get up and I feel tired and I take our dog on a walk. And by the time I get back, I realize I was out longer than I meant to be. And so I'm already running behind. I have successfully started my day running out of time. And this is a very real picture of my mornings, just so you know. So now I rush to get ready. Maybe I grab a breakfast bar or a coffee, and while checking my phone, I see the time. And I'm reminded, oh, I'm running out. I'm running late. I'm not going to get there on time. I strap on my watch. I, I like watches. I wear them pretty much all the time. And so I check my watch a couple times. I go into the kitchen, and right there on the microwave, right above the oven, why is it both? Anyway, that I'm reminded of the time. 
and I'm running out. And now I'm really running late, and so I get out into the car, and I turn on the car, and right on the dashboard is the time, the clock. Reminding me, and of course, you know, the clock obviously moves faster the later we get. I don't know if you guys noticed that. And so I, I have it there, and once I get to work, there's a, clock or, uh, there's a clock on my computer as soon as I open it. There's actually a clock right outside my office, like right outside the door that I see if I just look up. All of this on top of checking my phone. My phone reminds me how much time I spend on it, which is a little scary. Uh, but it reminds me, oh, hey, you've spent more time on your phone, you know, this week or more time than last week. And it says on average, I check my phone or open it up about 60 times a day. It's actually down from the national average, believe it or not. So between 60 times checking my phone to all these clocks everywhere, I'm reminded at least 125 times a day of what time it is. I look at the time without even thinking it, and by the time I'm preparing to leave, who knows how many times I've glanced at the clock or been reminded of the time during the day. Um, but then to top it off, I get in the car, I'm shutting down, I want to be done, I want to be home. And I'm driving home, and I'm like, yes. And I look up, and on those bank signs, you know, it shows you the time. One more. I needed it one more time today. <laughs> New York Post did a study. It claims the average American looks at their phone about 80 times a day. And so that means every time you open up your phone, what's right there? It's the time. Without even knowing it, we're checking our phones 80 100, 150, maybe even 200 times a day we're reminded of what time it is. And most days I feel stuck in time, tied to time, overly dependent on time, or even worried about losing time. But what if, what if this view was a little skewed? What if this view of time is distorted? And that's where we land on Everlasting Father this morning. We must look at an everlasting God and his relationship with time. And so we're going to dive in. We're going to be in Galatians 4 this morning. We're going to be in Galatians 4. That's page 1810 uh, for those uh, Bibles under the seats. But before we get there, we need to look at God's relationship with time. And the first point, God, uh, God's relationship with time, is that it's eternal Everlasting. I had to do some research, and so I looked up, what does everlasting mean? And maybe it seems very obvious, but the definition is simply ever. The perpetuity of time. Ever. Most of the time it's translated in the Bible, it's just translated as ever. Ever existing. Ever. And so everlasting. And there are multiple verses that would support this idea, of course, but the most popular is this, Revelation 22, verse 13. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Alpha and Omega, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet, the first and the last, beginning and the end. And actually, if we were going to go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It says those articles there actually point to a future tense, which means at the beginning is already referencing the end God. Eternal. That is God's relationship with time. He is not stuck to it. He is not tied to it. And here is why. Because number two, it is a product of creation. 
Genesis tells us that God created the days and the nights and the moon and the stars. And it is these same stars that determined Julius Caesar's first calendar back in 45 BC. Pope Gregory XIII made some revisions to this calendar, which was named the Gregorian calendar. And that's the calendar that we currently use. This calendar determines the seasons, the days, the hours, the minutes, and the seconds of our years. Time is a product of creation. And so with that being said, everlasting Father, we're going to look into Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, to really see what it means for God to be an everlasting Father. Follow along with me. Galatians 4, verse 4 through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship, because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. You are no longer a slave, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So this is where we're going to be this morning. But if we look back to verse 4, we see, um, see this first reference to time in this passage. And when it says in verse 4, when the set time had fully come. And so I got curious. What does it mean to be fully come? What does it mean for time to be fully come? And so I looked up the definition of fully and it says this. That that which or has been filled or the completeness or fullness of time. That when, Jesus, when God sent Jesus down to the earth, he sent Jesus and filled time. He filled it completely. There was no beginning. There was no end. He is all of it. He is in all of time. God chose to fill up our concept of time with his son and start to exercise his divine plan. And his divine plan is two things. It was his son. His divine plan had two aspects to it, though. First off, his son had to be born under the law. He had to be born under the law. And number two, his son had to be God. And he had to be these two things because he had to be under the law because Jesus had to fulfill it. Jesus had to be subject to the same rules that everyone in the Old Testament was subject to. Except he had to do it and he had to do it perfectly. He had to live a perfect life and therefore set apart and be qualified for redeeming. He also had to be God. Because in order to redeem those who are apart from God, he had to be God himself to do that. So verse 4, he had to be God. And he had to be under the law. And why? Verse 5, to redeem those under the law. To redeem the unqualified. To make right the broken. To make something out of nothing. To choose to humble himself and enter time. And I paused here for a service. This is a little off notes, but with the students on Thursday nights, the last two months we've actually been in Revelation. And in Revelation, the author depicts this vision of what heaven looks like, of what God's throne room looks like. And God's throne literally sits on top of a thunderstorm. I can't even picture that. 
And surrounding this thunderstorm is a sea as far as the eye can see, an ocean as far as the eye can see. This is God's throne room. This is his glory. This is his perfection that he chose to gave up. He had that for forever past. He has it for forever future. But in this moment, he gave that up to come down. So now I just want us to pause for a second and think about our days and our seasons and and time in general. And I want you to think of those times in your life, and I know you've had them, and I've had them multiple times, many times. You know when you're, you're sleeping, or maybe you can't fall asleep, and it's, you know, one or two o'clock, and, you know, time is just like slowly going by, and you're worrying about something. You're worrying, and so you start to panic, and we don't need to raise our hands because I know a lot of us have done this, but you lie in bed and you worry about finances or work projects or to-do lists or personal struggles, relationships, family issues, or all these things. And they keep us up late at night. And we worry and we get anxious. And then, at some point, we never remember, of course, but we fall asleep and we wake up. And we wake up to a new day. And somehow, all those things that kept us up late at night, it's not as big of a deal anymore. They may still be there, but we wake up with this sense of, you know what, no, but it's okay. It's a new day. We can get through this. We can, we can do this. And so we wake up. There still may be some pressure, but it's a new day. Built into our 24-hour days is a cycle that reminds us that no matter how dark our lives may seem, there is a new day coming. And I know we don't have noticeable seasons here in San Diego, but my family's in Minnesota where it's probably the most noticeable for the seasons. Where they have a very real spring, a very hot summer, a very colorful fall, and a very cold and dead winter. And right now, up in Minnesota, if you were to go up there and you were to look out as far as you can see, all you would see is dead trees. And snow, of course. You'd see snow. But you'd see these. It's actually quite depressing. When you fly, when you fly into Minnesota, you look out and like, yeah, there's like white snow, but everything is dead. There is no color. It's like a black and white photo. But then somehow, when springtime comes... What happens? The trees start budding. Trees that are dormant, they literally have no life in them. They start to live again. Built into our days, built into our seasons. This idea that there is new life again. God in his eternal all-knowingness created days and seasons and cycles and time to point to and remind us that the gospel and who he is. It is not a coincidence that our days and seasons and time all point to the redeeming nature of God. We're reminded every day, every season, every year. Romans 1 says it perfectly. Romans 1 verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Basically saying, you want proof of God? You want to see God? You want to see who God is like? 
what God is like, look out. See it. Our days, our seasons, the way the world works is proof of that. But why would God go through all this? Why would he choose to enter a finite time and fill it with his son? The answer lies in his name that we are covering today. He gave up that heavenly throne. He gave all that up for one reason. To become a father. Now, of course, he was already father to Jesus. But he wanted to be a father for me. He wanted to be a father for you. The end of verse 5 in Galatians 4. Why? That, me, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons. God sent the spirit of God into our hearts. The spirit who has called out Abba Father. So you are no longer a slave but God's child. And since you are his child... God has made you an heir. John Stott says this in his commentary. He says, He sent his son that we might have the status of sonship, and he sent his spirit that we might experience it. This comes through the affectionate, confidential intimacy of our access to God in prayer, in which we find ourselves assuming the attitude and using the language not as slaves, but as sons. On the next side, time is a creation of a powerful God. Fatherhood is not a creation. Rather, it is an innate characteristic of who God is. This is where we make the differentiation this morning. Time is a creation. Father is not. God in his graciousness gave us earthly families to remind us of the Father he is. Time is a creation, therefore God is not restricted to it. Fatherhood is not a creation. It is who God is. If this is true, then a father or a loving parent can only be truly defined in God himself and not in any parental figure here on earth. And that's important, you guys. It's important because if we were to each summarize what our mothers and fathers are like, have been like, were like, it would be this massive, massive difference. Some would maybe consider they had wonderful, loving, supportive parents. Some, maybe you never even knew your parents. Maybe some were abusive. Maybe some weren't supportive. And everywhere in between. A father or a loving parent just simply can't be defined on anything on this earth. It has to be defined in our Father, in God himself. Too many times we look to the parents present in our lives to define what a loving parent looks like. We generalize our descriptions of parents as being good or bad, and the problem in doing that is we're using creation to describe something only that can be truly defined in God himself. Father, is an aspect of who God is that he chose to extend to the families on earth. Therefore, a father or a loving parent should not be defined in an earthly family, but in God himself. Everlasting father. And so what's the point? 
What's the point in all of this? I'm going to ask us these same questions we asked at the beginning of our time here this morning. I wish I just had more hours in the day. I wish I had more time. If I just had one more hour in my day. But let's be honest, if we were given more time, we would use it selfishly in the same ways we choose to spend our time now. If you haven't prioritized time with your family, you wouldn't if you had more time. If you don't prioritize a relationship with God now, you wouldn't if you were given more. And I'm just, I'm, I, am, I am the most guilty of this. And I get caught up in projects. I get caught up in work. And I get caught up in a lot of different things. And it just simply wouldn't change. Because if I was given more time, oh, then I could complete that project. Then I could get that done. Maybe then, okay, then I could, then I could spend more time at work so that I could get home at a decent time. It, it just simply wouldn't happen. I've come to the realization that I do not need more time. However, God chose to enter and to fill time for me, for you. And this concept of time, the same concept God used to remind us of the gospel, the same concept he built into our days and our seasons, we use it as a distraction and an excuse not to engage in that same gospel. We use time as an excuse. Time should be a reminder of who God is and who he is for us, and we use it as an excuse of not having enough time for that creator. And stop using the very thing God created to remind us of who he is rather than an excuse to avoid him. Time was never created to remind us that it's running out. That was not the point. It was to remind us that every morning we have a new mercy. To remind us that no matter what night we are currently in, that there is a new day coming. No matter what season we are in, there is a new spring coming. To remind us that every night there is a new day. For every winter there is a spring. For every, uh, for every mistake there is redemption. For every death there is new life. And for every child, a father. Everlasting father. But here's what we do. Romans chapter 1 verse 25. And this is really, I guess, what um, where God has brought me and convicted me through this process. Romans chapter 1, it says, uh, verse 25, it says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. And I read that and I think, okay, the people back then, they probably, you know, had these golden images and, you know, served those gods. Okay, if we were going we to contextualize today, maybe we have our careers, maybe we have money, maybe we have things, maybe we have homes, maybe those things, maybe our families, maybe those are our gods. But could it be that the thing that I can't, I can't live a day without seeing the time at least 125 times, could it be that that has become an idol of my worship and that I choose to worship that aspect of creation rather than the creator who made it. The creator who made it as a reminder that he was going to and did send his son for me. And what are other creations 
this series of Herald. These news headlines that we have on here that inspired this whole backdrop. All we have to do is, is turn around and to look at it. There's arts, there's sports, there's Wall Street, there's, there's articles, there's offers, there's news, there's politics, there's all of this, all of this squishing at our time, saying this is what's important. This is what matters. And so, I have, uh, I have three things I want to do at the end here, um, depending on where, we're, where you're at personally. Because we're all at a different place this morning. And first off, I want, to, I want to speak to someone who maybe doesn't believe in God, maybe someone who's been doubting him, maybe someone who doesn't want to follow him, maybe, maybe a person who doesn't believe in God because a parent or a family has not treated them well. And to that person this morning, I say, please do not define a loving parent as someone in your life, but only in God himself. And that extends, that extends to everyone. I, I absolutely love my parents. And I would consider them very good. But that cannot define a father. That cannot define a mother or a loving parent. That is who God is. And so if you've wrestled and you've doubted, and maybe a lot of times you've hated God, or this idea of God, this Santa Claus type God, or this ruler authority God, and then you ever really realize that God actually created, or he, he created time to be a father to you, if you were to open up your heart to him. And maybe, so maybe that's where you're at. Maybe Maybe you're given, you've given your life to Christ. But if you were to look at your time and your day and you were to look at how you spend your life, would it really even look like someone who follows Jesus? And that's a lot of us. And I've, I've had many points of my life where that, that is me. Where I, yes, I've given my life to Christ, but I, I go through my day and I check my time and I run out of time and I'm doing this and I have to do this and we've got to do this and then pick up the kids on time and then be home and then make dinner. Does it really reflect the gospel or our Father? And then there's those, maybe, maybe you gave your life to Christ five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever it was. And Christmas has become this cyclical thing. It comes and goes. It gets busy and less busy of family and leaving. But maybe this is a time where you need to take a closer look at your life. Take a closer look at the time that God has given you, how he chose to reveal himself to you as a loving father. And what if in this season, Christmas, busyness, what if in this season we didn't need more time, we simply needed more dad? We needed more of our creator. We invited more of him into the time that he has given us. Time is a real thing. I'm not going to act like it's not going to exist. I'm checking the clock now to make sure we end on time. (laughs) 
But are we going to choose to invite our Father into this area of our lives? And so in just, in just a moment, we're going to end with a, a prayer and a closing song, and I'll have an opportunity. But I want you to think, wherever you are this morning, if you've been seeking or maybe you've been running from God, maybe someone invited you, maybe, some, maybe you didn't want to come this morning, and if this is where you're off, I would ask you, please, would you open up the idea of God as a father and as a loving parent? Or maybe you've given your life to Christ and maybe you go, I've, I've, I've made that decision. I do love God. I do believe I do believe he's my father. I do believe John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish have everlasting life. I believe it. I know it. But does my life really look like that? Does my time really look like that? And then there's us that, or you, that maybe you've just lived a life following Jesus, but this season you need to be reminded that you need to stop looking at the clock. Stop looking at time running out and start inviting Jesus as your father into your life. Let's pray. God, I pray that uh, no matter where we are this morning, that, um, that you would work in our hearts. We thank you for you revealing yourself in this way in Scripture, for being an encouragement this time of year for us. God, I pray that we would choose to live our lives every morning waking up that the next week, this next two weeks, as we get very, very close to Christmas, our days get busier, our schedules get really filled, that as soon as we wake up, we remember that you gave your son so that you could be our father. And that we would invite you into every area of our life and we would stop looking at our days and our weeks as running out of time, but or of an opportunity to bring you into our lives, to invite you in. God, I pray that you would continue to work in my heart and our hearts this Christmas season. In Jesus' name, amen.